Well, if we have not had uh, the privilege of getting to meet, uh, my name is Megan Maserol, and I am on staff here as the director of Serve Ministries. But this morning, it is my honor and privilege to get to come around God's word with you. And today, uh, we are in Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. And so I invite you now, if you have your Bibles, to turn there with me. Uh, If not, the scripture will be on the screens right behind me. This is Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray together. Well, God, we are, we're grateful. We are grateful that your word is true and your word says that where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are present. And so, God, we are, we are just grateful that your presence is with us today. And God, I, I ask that in this time, you would give us hearts that are malleable. You would give us ears that are eager to hear what you have for us. Eyes that, that, that we could see you with, with a click more of clarity. And hands that are ready to go out and be a difference in the world because of the difference that you've made in us, because of the new life that you've given us. God, we're so grateful for your love. Your love is so, so lavish. And God, we we love you. And we trust you, and we give this time to you. And we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So when I was a senior in high school, 
I was kind of at like the peak of my game. Can anybody relate to that, right? Um, I was in the National Honor Society. I was on the yearbook editing and designing staff to encapsulate the memory of my senior year. I was academic all state. I was cast as the lead role in, in my one-act play. Me and my best friend choreographed all of the dances to our show choir um, for these performances that we would take on the road um, in Branson, Missouri to open up for shows there. And, and in softball, I was performing at the best that I ever had. And that was a really big deal to me because I've been playing the sport since I was four years old. And, and, and going into uh, my, my first uh, district game of the season, aka the games that really start to matter and count, that when you win or you lose, that kind of determines the trajectory of how far you're going to go in, in playoffs, if you'll even make playoffs, etc. So I was eager and anticipatory for the last several months of what, of what my senior year was, was going to mean, especially, especially in softball. And so I got up to bat my, my, first, my first hit of the district game, hit, got on base, and uh, I'm immediately given the signal by my coach to steal second. And, and I go, and I steal second, and I, and I slide into the base, and it becomes immediately apparent that something has gone horribly wrong. Uh, X-rays would, would later prove that I had not only uh, broken my ankle, but that I was going to have to have surgery. And I still have metal in my ankle to this day from the reconstruction. And, and one by one, I started making phone calls to the director of One Act Play, and she told me I'd have to give up my lead role. I called my softball coach, and we actually cried together <laughs> over, if honestly, even selfishly, what would have been an incredible season, and what we were anticipating to be an incredible season, if for no one else but myself, honestly. And I was watching all of these expectations that I had for the last several months of my senior year not be met, one by one. But I said, no, 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 no. That is not going to be the end of my story. That is not how we're going down. I'm going to work double time. We, this is not the end of our story, everybody. So, for example, um, I learned really quickly how to get really good in a wheelchair. And you bet your bottom dollar I performed on stage, that choreography, rolling around in a wheelchair. Nobody was taking that from me, right? <laughs> um, I worked really, really hard in school, I continued to. I almost felt like I had to perform even more because some of the activities 
were stripped away from me, right? Um, and, and my physical therapy for my ankle, uh, I really took what the physical therapist said seriously. And I did it. And I rehabbed, and I rehabbed, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked. And it, and it accumulated this work and this, this, this drive accumulated in this pinnacle moment that when my team had made playoffs, I got to bat one last time. And, I, and I'm from a really small town, so when sports teams make the playoffs, the whole town comes along. And I, and I will never forget um, walking from the dugout to, to the batter's box and having my town just erupt in praise and excitement because they knew how hard I'd worked. They knew what, what this meant. And, and I got up there and I got to hit one last time. Got on first, had somebody come in and, and then run for me. But it was, this, it was this beautiful accumulation of hard work and, and achievement. And we love stories like that, right? We love stories where, where in spite of adversity, people rise up and, and, and they work hard and they achieve and it pays off in really beautiful ways. And to be quite honest, for, for years, that was kind of the only lens that I saw that story through. As a girl that worked hard, achieved, and succeeded in spite of it all. And kind of looked back on it as like, a, like an inspiration for myself, right? Something to hold fondly. And like I said, that was, that was the only view that I really looked through uh, when I was thinking about that story, when I was looking at that experience. Until years later, um, I, I found myself moving and, and packing up boxes and different things like that. And I stumbled upon uh, some of my old journals. So, of course, when you're packing, you, you want a distraction. So you sit down and you start reading, reading the journals, okay? And, and I found a journal from my senior year of high school. And I flipped through and I actually found an entry from the day before I broke my ankle. And I was shocked at what I found. It, it was a prayer of distress. Saying, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how I'm going to do all of this. How am I going to be the best on the field? How am I going to succeed in the classroom and not fail? How am I going to meet all of these deadlines for your book? How am I going to achieve in a way that I still get to go to my dream school? Lord, I don't know how to do all of this. In the last sentence, of that entry said, Lord, I just need a break. Mm. 
Be careful what you wish for, right? Right? <laughs> careful what you pray for. Uh, no, but, but seriously, um, striving for success saturated every part of my life. And it was overwhelming. My, my mom's here today. She can, she can tell you. She can attest. It was overwhelming. Does this sound familiar? Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or, or just a mom in general, trying to be the best mom ever and still not living up to the ones that you see on social media. Or, or you're in corporate America, concerned and constantly wondering how you're going to succeed enough to climb the ladder, or even just succeed enough to keep your job, right? Or, or if you're a kid in school, striving to perform in sports, academics, the arts, all of the above, trying to gain the approval of your peers, of your parents, of your teachers, and of the future schools that you hope to go to. We are living in a cultural cycle of success orientation, and it's killing us. It is literally killing us in every aspect of the word. The American Institute of Stress says that work-related stress causes 120,000 deaths and results in $190 billion in healthcare costs yearly. Depression leads to $26 billion in treatment costs every year. Gallup reported that Americans aged 30 to 49 are the most stressed age group. Millennials are called the burnout generation. And the American Psychology Association says that 52% of Generation Z in the United States have been diagnosed with mental health issues. By the way, all of those stats were from 2019, right before the pandemic hit. And that wasn't stressful at all, right? Friends, I believe that it is vital for us to stop and examine not what we're achieving, but who we are becoming. And, and how this cultural pressure to perform and succeed can actually hinder us and keep us from becoming who we were meant to be in Christ. And what's interesting is this book of Colossians was actually written 
uh, with a similar framework, warning, and encouragement in mind. Because you see, the book of Colossians was a letter written by Paul while he was imprisoned to the church of Colossae. Paul had been made aware by his friend Epaphras that the church was facing enormous cultural pressure to turn away from the ways in devotion to Jesus, to turn away from the ways that were giving them life, and to turn towards the pagan worship of the day. They were pressuring them to believe that this pagan worship would fulfill them more than Christ would. And so Paul wrote this letter to not only address these, these issues, but to encourage the believers in this church to lean in to the ways of Jesus, to devotion to Jesus, and into Jesus himself. And, and Paul does this in several different ways throughout the book of Colossians. Uh, but we're zooming in to his words in Colossians 3, in, starting in verse 12. So here, Paul starts with reminding the believers that they are God's people. He's reminding the church that they are God's people, which means they are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. And, and, and he is reminding them of their position, their title, and their standing with God. And, and they, don't, they don't have this, this title or this position or this standing with God because they worked really hard to earn it. They have it because they were freely given the gift of grace through Jesus' death and resurrection. They are successful because Christ already ultimately achieved. And he gives them the title of son and daughter that they could never earn, achieve, or even work to keep. And so then Paul goes on and says, then as these people then as these people, he tells them to clothe themselves in their new wardrobe. To clothe themselves in their new wardrobe. To clothe themselves and be people that are kind, compassionate, humble, gentle, patient. This, this list reflects some of what is described in Galatians as the fruit of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, uh, the, this, the fruit of this new identity in Christ. Let's think about it this way. Um, an orange tree does not have to really work hard to achieve to produce oranges. The fruit just overflows out of what it is. An orange tree. And, and, and as long as it's anchored to its source 
of life, its sources of life. Like a, like a tree planted securely by a stream of water. As long as it stays anchored to its sources of life, it will continue to flourish and be who it was always meant to be. An orange tree that produces oranges, right? Similarly, as, as believers, anchored in, in our source of life, which is undeserved grace. We bear the fruits of compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, and the greatest of all, love. That overflows out of who we are. Chosen, holy, and dearly loved. And, and when we live out of that place, there's peace. There's peace. Because we know that no matter what we do flows out of who we are in Christ. And we're called to be these people together. We miss it if we don't do this together. People that let the message of Christ dwell in us richly and let it shape us in every single way. These verses and more are how Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, gave encouragement to this church to push back against the cultural pressures of the day. And I believe that we, too, can draw encouragement to push back against our cultural pressures of today. Okay. I have to be really honest right now. My next instinct is to tell you how to do this. Right? That's the logical next step. To give you the ABCs, one, two, three, your bullet points of how to go out and do this. And it's only logical because it's how everything else around us operates. Here's your next goals to achieve to be this kind of Christian. Well, friends, this is kind of my like fist in the air moment. Saying I'm not going to do it. Not today. I refuse to feed in to this cycle of performance, achievement-driven, and success motivation that is breaking us. And when I say us, like, I, I really mean us. Myself included. When I was prepping for this message, 
today, I had to be so confronted with the reality that every single aspect of my life is drenched in the desire to perform, to do things well and with excellence. And hear me when I say that desire is not overtly bad, but I had to ask myself the question, what am I performing for? What, what am I striving for? What is the motivation of my heart? Status? Approval? Value? Success? Because in Christ, I have all of it. It's already mine. Why am I striving to earn what's already been freely and perfectly given to me? Why can't I remember that Jesus did not invite me to come and do? But he invited me to come, receive, and be. And listen, I, I know that this can be wildly challenging. Because here's the reality. You still have to put food on your table, right? Right? You still have to take care of your kids. Your homework's not going to do itself. You still have responsibilities in your life that you feel the weight of every single day. Please don't throw this message out because of that. Actually, because all of this is true, because all of that is true, I invite you in this moment to stop and remember. Maybe even, even close your eyes if it's helpful. And I want you to stop and remember the ways that God continues to meet your every need. Think about how on your best days and your worst days, God remains constant. In the ways that he provides with or without you. Remember how the past year and a half squashed the lie that humans have infinite control or were completely self-sufficient. Remember how somehow when all of the normal methods of striving ceased, there was still hope in the darkness. Remember how in the highlands and in the heartache, God was and is faithful all the same. Your Father in heaven loves you unconditionally. 
unconditionally. And, and you couldn't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to keep it. And he can love you no more or no less than he does right now because he loves you perfectly. Christ gives value without achievement. And that's not meant to be frustrating. <laughs> that's meant to be freeing. And my prayer is that it is. So, so that however we proceed forward in this life, we would know that, that we are a success solely because we are wrapped up in his. And, and that we are free to be these people. We are free to be all that our new identity clothes us in. People of compassion, gentleness, patience, kindness, love, and peace. Rooted in that undeserved grace, being who we were always meant to be. Reflections of security in him and him alone for all of our days. Let's pray. God, thank you for your audacious grace. That, that somehow, by your grace, this is true. That we get to be called sons and daughters of the King. Not because we earned it, and certainly not because we deserved it, but because Christ's death and resurrection was the greatest achievement. And your love, Father, was lavished upon us by that achievement. God, my prayer is that we would be people that bask in that love and are forever clothed and shaped and changed by it. God, you are so faithful and you are so good to us. God, we love you and we trust you and we thank you and we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus